1: Grace Curley. You can read Grace's work in the Boston Herald and The Spectator.
2: Especially Grace. Grace, stand up.
1: Here's the millennial with the mic, Grace Curley.
3: Good Monday morning, everyone. Welcome to the Grace Curley Show. I'm not Grace Curley. I'm Erin Chadbourne sitting in for Grace. Grace is off today. I hear she's traveling back, though, so she'll be back in tomorrow en route listening to her own show Thanks for being with us. For those of you who haven't heard me before, I'm former senior policy advisor to Governor Paul LePage up in the great state of Maine, broadcasting out of the Portland Radio Group studio today up here at WGAN. Also host Inside Maine here on Saturdays on WGAN. Um, but long-time long time listener to The Grace Curley Show, the Howie Carr Radio Network. Really appreciate the opportunity to come in. And there's plenty of news today, Jared. There, there's a lot happening. Um, were you breathlessly awaiting the release of the Senate border compromise bill? I was on the edge of my easy chair all weekend i mean we've seen this we've seen the show before, and i don 't know why anyone ever expects something different and we'll get into that. I did text grace though uh this morning uh, and and told her that I would do the entire show about Taylor Swift and um, whether or not she behaved appropriately at the Grammys. <laughs> Not really my cup. Not really my jam. I don't know if anyone watched the Grammys last night. I saw bits and pieces of it. The one the one piece of it that I would commend people to watch, though, is um, Tracy Chapman was there and um, she performed together with Luke Combs. And I thought it was a, a really remarkable performance. But otherwise, like I just don't watch. I can't bring myself to watch these celebrity award shows anymore because they just seem so out of touch with the experience of like normal people and what we're going through. And I've had enough Taylor Swift. If you want to watch a Taylor Swift, you can watch a football game. So, it's I have had enough. I, do you think that the fatigue has caught up? Are people done with Taylor Swift or is it just it does this does this continue to make people excited about her? <laughs> I mean it's it, the and there's a lot t- my Twitter feed today it's really a weird feed because and it, and it's been this way since she started dating Travis Kelsey and this whole thing but there's half of it is about Taylor Swift and apparently she wasn't appreciative enough she was shamelessly promoting herself in her new album and then half of it is about this immigration stuff which I do want to spend a lot of time on and we'll throughout the show talk about the border deal um, we'll have Christopher Healy who's a, a homeland security expert a former former border Patrol himself um, and, and great great expert He's going to join us at the two o'clock hour. And so we'll go over a little bit of what's in the bill, what's good, what's bad, what we're concerned about. Also going to chat with former Congressman Bruce Poliquin. He's a Republican. He was he was the only Republican member of Congress um, in the House. Obviously, we have Susan Collins from Maine um, in, in the Senate. She's the only New England Republican in the Senate. Bruce Poliquin was the only Republican serving in the House from New England. So he'll join us. Talk to us a little bit about the process, because I think I don't like to talk about process when it comes to here, but the process is so... Dumb. Like it's so clear that nothing's going to happen on fixing the border because the Democrats have a majority in the, a small majority, but a majority in the Senate and Republicans barely have a majority in the House. So I can't see anything good happening. I was impressed originally when Republicans held firm and said, we're not going to give you anything on Ukraine or on Israel till you deal with our border at home. But uh, I think hope has faded. And now we're heading into the election. And in an election year nothing good ever happens. So uh we'll see about that. And then there's a lot more to get to. Um and of course we want to take your calls, have you be part of the show here on the Grace Curley show. Phone number's eight four four five hundred forty two forty two. That's eight four four five hundred forty two forty two. Love to have you join the call. And 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 I also, I mean, there's a lot else that happened over the weekend. And it's so funny when you do a show on a Monday that there are topics on Friday that seem really exciting and really relevant and you want to dive into. And then you kind of forget by Monday that it, it's new news. But Tucker Carlson, I mean, that's the other thing Twitter's been blowing up about. Do we still call it Twitter, by the way? Or am I supposed to call it X now? I can never, I can never quite figure that out. I, I really don't understand Elon's whole rationale there. But Tucker Carlson's been spotted in Russia set to what most people think is interview Vladimir Putin. Um, and, and that's caused the mainstream medium to lose their minds. Cause how dare you interview the leader of a foreign country in Russia? they they think Tucker's being used for propaganda. Um, I would be interested to see it. There's also speculation he might be interviewing Edward Snowden. um, But Tucker is continuing to show that by being a free agent, by leaving Fox News uh, in the way that he did, he's continuing to have influence. He's continuing to be relevant. He's continuing to speak about and bring topics to American consciousness that aren't being covered. And that also brings me back to immigration because over the weekend I did watch 60 Minutes. I'm still an old soul. Uh, I was debating with Grace this morning which generation I'm part of, and I'm technically a millennial. She's the millennial with the mic. I'm technically a millennial, but I'm not the early part of it. And I think we're like, you know, that sandwich weird, weird little cusp between Gen X and the millennials. Um, labeled the Xennial's, and so I still watch. You know, Saturday Night Live. I still watch 60 Minutes. I don't. I try not to watch Saturday Night Live, but if it's if I'm if I'm awake at eleven thirty, I'll turn it on and say, "Oh, I wonder who's hosting or whatever." It stopped being funny, and it stopped being funny a long time ago. Occasionally, they'll have something that's memorable, but it's horrible. Um, and then, and I did watch uh, 60 Minutes last night, and it, again, it's just you know, I like the old form style of of of, of telling a story and reporting it's one of the times they do it and it's gotten so hard to watch and it really has been I want to say since I was, oh, since I was a teenager it's gotten worse and worse progressively but there was a, a long form story on 60 Minutes about the border and, a, and they went to the border and they saw people pouring across it and I think it surprised them because I think for so long, the mainstream media has convinced themselves that this is all fake news, that it's all misinformation, that the right's making it up to politicize and to be racist and to, they, they don't believe that it's really going on. And I was really surprised to see what they were covering on 60 Minutes last night. We'll bring clips later. Um, but they, they were actually acknowledging that people are coming through gaps in the fence, And they were talking about why an actual barrier is important, why it matters, which – My jaw dropped when that happened because we heard the entire time during the Trump administration. How many times did you hear that a border wall was racist, that a border wall doesn't work? And yet the 60 Minutes cameras went to the wall and they found at the one place that there's a gap between the rocks and the fence. That's where these smugglers in Mexico who get hired and paid to smuggle people into the country. They come in at the gap. How do they find out about it? They found out about it on TikTok. There are step-by-step instructions on how to break into this country, where to go, how to hire a smuggler to get you there, where they're going to take you, what to do once you cross over. And it's just incredible. But but what I think, you know, you can always tell when you're at a watershed moment when something that we've talked about for a long time that's been dismissed as fake news and conspiracy, you know, the vast right-wing conspiracy, uh, uh, to quote Hillary Clinton, All of a sudden, it breaks through to the mainstream news to the point that they can no longer discount it. They can't lie to your face anymore. They won't go all the way and open the kimono. They'll never admit they were wrong, but they have to finally acknowledge uh, what was going on. Speaking of watching, you know, this mainstream stuff over the weekend. Did did anyone see Nikki Haley on Saturday Night Live? I know Jared, you probably don't watch Saturday Night Live. I did not see it. No. So, I found it very cringe. Um I did. I mean, I get what she's doing, right? Like Nikki Haley thinks she's still in this race, wants to be relevant, but I think it's a bad look. If you're competing for the Republican nomination for president, like do you really think that going like during the South Carolina primary, the move is to go to New York? And appear on SNL why don't we play why don't you go ahead and play um the, the way let me set it up for you they 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 set it up as if it was a Trump town hall on CNN they're doing a Trump town hall with South Carolina voters and then they have you know Nikki Haley stand up in the crowd right so we'll go ahead and set it up and uh, why don't you play clip six go ahead Jared
4: okay our next question comes from- not much there you can see right through it but it's
3: better than nothing <laughs> Okay, our next question comes from someone who describes herself as a concerned South Carolina voter. Yes,
2: hello.
0: My question is, why won't you debate Nikki Haley?
4: Oh my God, it's her. The woman who was in charge of security on January 6th. It's Nancy Pelosi. All
3: right, so a few things to unpack there, right? So Nikki Haley gets up and she gets this applause, right, from the adoring audience at Saturday Night Live. Why is she getting applause? If she were the Republican nominee, they'd be booing her. They'd be boycotting the show for having her on, but it's because she has no chance. They have her just there to troll Donald Trump. And they know that, like, this stuff gets to him the pop culture stuff he's paying attention to, whatever. It's like that's what they have her. They're not really, you know, cheering for her. And then notice what she says. She says, Why won't you debate Nikki Haley? That's what they're after, right? Nikki Haley is so desperate. Her only way to be relevant is if Donald Trump agrees to debate her. And she thinks that by being the Last candidate standing against him, she can make this a two person race. No, not happening. It was never a competitive primary. Donald Trump was the incumbent nominee. She's not really a candidate against him. I understand she's trying everything, but it just—it just smacks of desperation. And then notice they go into the like the the Nancy Pelosi confusion part because they want to use her to smear Trump. Which again, this is Nikki Haley really abandoning like all idea that she might ever reconcile and be back with him. She's going hardcore. Um, and then and, and they follow up. I actually think the best part of this whole thing is James Austin Johnson, by the way, who plays Trump. He has a really funny Trump impression. Uh, go ahead, Jared, play clip seven. Women are terrible
0: with money. In fact, a woman I know recently asked me for $83.3 million. And you've spent $50 million in your own legal fees. Do you need to borrow some money?
4: Oh, Nikki, don't do this, Nikki. (laughs) Nikki, tiki, (laughs) tavi. Nikki, don't lose that number. Nikki Haley. Joel
0: Osment. Nikki Haley, Joel Osment, we call her. Six cents, remember that one? I see dead people.
3: See, like, that was my takeaway from the thing is the Trump impression. Like, the Trump impression is so much more powerful than anything that Nikki Haley's trying to do by being on there. She's allowing herself to be used as a tool of the left to smear to smear Donald Trump, to make it about these lawsuits, all this stuff that the Trump voters and, and the majority of the Republican voters have already decided are not important to them in picking who they want to be president. And that's what she's aligning herself with. So I think it's a mistake. I understand why she's doing it. She's desperate, whatever. But I, I really like what it does. It says two things. One, I think he has a really good Trump impression. I think it's hilarious. It almost makes you miss Trump doing that and messing with people in that way. But the second part, too, is that, like, when was the last time SNL was using their Biden impression or Kamala Harris? Like, they, they need Donald Trump because they're, they're just so, you know, they, they can't. The, my favorite, though, like, I like him going after Nikki. Play, play Clip 8. That's, what I think, my favorite.
4: Oh, that's not very nice, Nikki. It's not nice.
3: I think that should be my go-to, right? Like, when people are, you know, out of line or maybe you get a caller that calls in. Like, I like the, that, that's not nice. I think the Trump impression. But anyway my my take on it, and I think most people would agree with me, is that Nikki Haley comes off not as being presidential, not as being accepted by the crowd, accepted by the mainstream, which is probably what she thinks, but I think she comes off as desperate and really you know, doing anything she can to be relevant. Um, so I don't think it's a good look. I thought it was very cringe, um, and I'd love to hear what you think. If you'd like to call in, 844-500-4242 is the number here on The Grace Curley Show. I'm Aaron Chadbourne, in for Grace Curley. When we come back, we'll Dive into what's in that border proposal that the Senate has released, and what are some of the reactions to it? Stay tuned here on the Grace Curley Show.
2: And the Nauset Beach Inn is still taking reservations for winter getaways. Although optimistically, I'm thinking winter may be dwindling. So you want to get in on this deal now? I've stayed at the Nauset Beach Inn, and I love it. I always say it is one of the most, if not the most, tranquil places that I've ever been. If you've been to the Cape in the winter, then you understand. You don't have the crowds. You don't have all the, the hustle and everything going around you. No, it's just you and the beach and the waves, and it's tranquil and glorious. You can walk along the beach. They're pet-friendly if you want to. You can bring your dog. Your dog can walk along the beach with you. Uh, you can see the stars at night. That's something my wife and I really like. You can see the stars at night because a lot of people in the city, you don't really get the chance to do that, and we did that. We were sitting outside by the fire pits, which are great. Um, So you stay nice and warm, even on the cooler days. And we actually sat out by that same fire pit again, watched the sunrise in the morning and had our morning coffee with just incredible views, incredible tranquility. It's definitely a getaway that you can do, whether it be for, you know, the upcoming school vacation or just a weekend getaway that you want to. And right now you can stay at the Nauset Beach Inn for under $200 this winter. Don't delay because these rooms are going to go fast. Nosset Beach Inn is pet friendly, has a view from every room, and check-in is contactless. It's a great place to stay, and it's a great place to get away, to reserve your ocean view room, because every room is an ocean view room. Go to NossetBeachInn.com. That's NossetBeachInn.com.
1: You're listening to The Grace Curley Show. This is the Grace Curley Show.
3: Welcome back, everyone. I'm Aaron Chadbourne, sitting in for Grace Curley. Thanks so much for being with us on this Monday. It's February. The groundhog. I uh, did not see his shadow. I don't. I know you were breathlessly waiting for it, uh, Jared. Uh, so it's going to be an early spring, they say. This <laughs> groundhog weather fortune telling uh, mechanism. I heard you don't like the groundhog.
2: I don't have a problem with groundhogs per se. I think the festivities are are somewhat ridiculous
3: and honestly a little
2: mean to the groundhogs.
3: Yeah, was it De Blasio that killed him that year? he, yeah. like, he dropped it. it was and like like the groundhog died.
2: Like twenty thirteen, the Long Long Island groundhog, I believe.
3: Yeah, it's it's uh, it's quite the it's quite the event. But anyway, it's it's sunny here, and and I did that thing where. It, we've had enough sunny days in a row, I think like two. So I actually took my car to the car wash to get that nice like undercarriage clean too. And every time I do it, you know, you're going to jinx it, but I think I'm safe and I, I want my car to look good, uh, here in, in, in February. Um, big story of the day, I guess, like I think it's not going anywhere, but the big story of the day is that the, the Senate negotiators have finally released their bipartisan, Um, their bipartisan border agreement deal, which is supposed to unlock the Ukraine funding and the Israel funding and and give people something on the border. I think a lot of people are disappointed with it, a lot of conservatives disappointed with it. But that really brings us to today's poll question. Today's poll question is brought to you by Rizzo Insurance. When was the last time you had your insurance audited? Rizzo saved one of our coworkers here at the Howie Carr Radio Network over $1,700. To get your insurance audited, go to RizzoInsurance.com. Okay, Jared, what's today's poll question and what are the responses thus far?
2: Today's poll question, which you can vote in at GraceCurlyShow.com, is do you think Congress will pass the Senate border package or wait for a better deal if Trump is elected?
3: I think they wait. I think this is going nowhere fast.
2: of the audience says, yes, of course, they'll cave. 44% agree with you. They think they'll stand their ground. Wow. That's not what I expect. They think they're going to cave? I mean, they're they're, they're so used to GOP caves. I guess you kind of get,
3: what is it, Stockholm Syndrome or whatever the syndrome is. Maybe, I guess. Like it's interesting. So um we'll we'll talk about it more in the next segment too, though. I was interested to see Speaker of the House Mike Johnson, which I didn't know a lot about this guy before he was Speaker of the House. I don't think anyone did, right? Because who the heck was he? He was like sixth and seventh, eighth in line, ninth person to run for the seat. And he was on sixteen minutes yesterday and he held his own against uh Kristen Welker, the new moderator of Meet the Press. Um and so I was interested to hear him talk about it, and he really seemed to to stand up for what the Republicans in the House were demanding, and I think he has to, right? Like he doesn't have much of a majority. They have like what is it with all the people that have retired or or resigned? Kevin McCarthy left. They kicked out George Santos. Like they barely have a couple vote majority in the House. And I think if he caves at this point, he has to leave his post too, wouldn't you think? And why are you? This is what I really don't understand. And maybe it's the they maybe maybe I should be blaming Mike Johnson for not being a better negotiator. But when they wanted more money, billions and billions more dollars for Ukraine, money for Israel to help them defend themselves and and prosecute their war against Hamas, to root out the terrorists, the Republicans in the Senate and in the House said, fine, you want money, we need to secure the border. And I guess maybe they should have been more specific and more simple, because it, it really what it means is we want to finish the wall, close the border get rid of all of this asylum nonsense, right? Like everyone's claiming asylum and catch and release. Like they should have outlined, like these are the firm things that you have to agree to. Because I think what the Senate did is they said, oh, well, we'll take that as a starting point. We'll water it down and we'll compromise. And I learned very well when I was working for Paula Page, when he was governor of the state of Maine, People in in Augusta, I Maine, in the State House would talk about compromise. And every single time, you know what they meant when they said compromise? They meant the Republicans caving and giving the Democrats what they want. Never did the Democrats have to cave. Never did the Democrats have to compromise. Never did the Democrats have to weaken their position. And so maybe, like, it's arguable to say, and I get the argument, right, that when are you going to have another agreement again? If Trump wins and, and doesn't have a majority with him, doesn't have a significant majority, even when he had a majority last time, Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan wouldn't go along for the ride on immigration reform. And so maybe you could say, Oh, this is the best deal we're gonna get. It's been 40 years or 20 years, it's been however many decades since we've had anything meaningful happen. Well, we we can't settle for just anything. We need to actually secure the border. I think we're at this watershed moment where everyone realizes it. They realize the border is insecure. We need to deal with it. So I think I think they shouldn't pass it. I think they won't pass it, but it remains to be seen. We'll talk more about it when we come back on the other side of this break.
1: Live from the Aviva Tratria studio.
3: We are back here on the Grace Curley Show. I'm Aaron Chadbourne filling in for Grace. Thanks so much for being with us here today. We're talking about the border and what's happening on the border, and it's you know it's 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 something that we've talked about forever. It has been the central issue of our time, and I think it's come into such clear focus because now people can't deny when you see the with caravans, when you see the bodies streaming across the border, when you see the gaps, when 60 Minutes is standing there just watching people come in. You know that it's really reached kind of a fever pitch. But it, it just what really bothers me is the way that the mainstream media treats this issue. They treat the issue like it's Republicans who are standing in the way of progress when it's Republicans who've been demanding solutions this entire time. The entire time, that, that's what we've been calling for. It's what its what it's been the motivating issue in so many of the last elections. It's what propelled Donald Trump to the presidency in 2016. And they tried everything they could to stop him, right? Anything he wanted to do, whether it was build the wall, fund the wall, um, to, to detain, to remain in Mexico, remain in Mexico was a great policy. And the Biden administration um, repealed it. It was the first thing they did. They said, we're going to take away any of Trump's accomplishment on the border on immigration. And we're going to, we're going to undo all the pro We're going to open it. And, and even, even though they deny it now they put out the message board to the world that said the border is open and you're welcome to come here and i think one of the things i was i was speaking before the break about uh, speaker of the house mike johnson I didn't know anything about him. He's from Louisiana. He's uh, he had a, a lower leadership position that didn't cause us to ever hear about him before. But he he basically has said, you know, we've been we put out policies at the beginning of this Congress, HR two, we passed it and told you exactly what you need to do to close the border. And I thought last week the the House and, and Speaker Johnson in particular put out a list of here are all the examples of how Biden um, has invited immigration, has opened the border has done it intentionally. Here are all the ways that Secretary Mayorkas, who they're moving toward impeaching, here are the ways that he has flouted the law and lied. And the media is in it, I mean, we've always known they're in the tank, right? They, they've always been on the left. They've always been the, the mouthpiece, the PR apparatus that, that just regurgitates the left's talking points, but it's never been worse than it is now. I want to pay this one, one hit, um, real quick. Uh, Speaker Mike Johnson talking about the evidence that, that this is intentional. Uh, go ahead with cut three, Jared.
4: We documented 64 specific actions that Joe Biden and his agencies have taken to create this catastrophe. They did it intentionally. That's why his approval rating is uh, in the tank.
3: Right. So that's that's he's explaining. He said there are 64 instances. Here they are. Listen to Kristen Welker. She's the the new moderator of Meet the Press. She replaced Chuck Todd. Chuck Todd was a partisan hack. Kristen Welker is supposed to be the serious journalist. Listen to Kristen Welker's response to Speaker Johnson saying, we've documented 64 specific instances. Go ahead. Cut four.
4: As you know, the White House has completely dismissed the allegation that in any way the migrants and surge of migrants have been intentional on the part of the president
3: What? Like we don't need you telling us the White House's point of view. That's the White House's job. Have them on as a guest. You don't have to like fact check the speaker in real time about the differing opinion of the White House. It's this thing they started doing when Trump was president where they said, "Oh, he's used too many lies. We can't let this misinformation. We have to fact check in real time." Well, he gave 64 specific examples. She didn't debate the examples. She restated the administration's position in an authoritative way. She basically sees herself as an extension of them. It's ridiculous. Go ahead and play cut one. This is a great example.
4: Mr. Speaker, as you know, that bill that you passed in the House would be dead on arrival in the Senate. Your Republican colleagues in the Senate have said as much. So I guess my question is, did you propose this standalone Israel aid package to kill this compromise deal in the
3: Senate? Right. Like, as you know, Mr. Speaker, like it's so patronizing. You're talking to the Speaker of the House of the United States Congress. Number one, show a little bit of respect, but even like you're lecturing him, oh, did you know, as you know, Mr. Speaker, it's such a condescending attitude to take. And then, did you hear what she said? Your bill is dead on arrival in the Senate. HR two that you passed months ago, you did your work, you laid out what it was, you're dead on arrival. So don't you think you have to take the Senate's bill and compromise? And this is what I think they should have been saying. And it's funny, I've been saying this all day and and, and they've just put out a statement, I'll read it in a second. But they should be saying the Senate's bill is dead on arrival in the house. So don't talk to us about compromising. Don't talk to us about how we need to make concessions to keep the border open. Talk to, talk to the Senate about the fact that they've already compromised and they their bill is dead on arrival. And um, just in the last few minutes, um, Speaker of the House Johnson together with leader Steve Scalise. um Tom Emmer and Elise Stefanik, who is the conference chair, they put out a long joint statement that basically said House Republicans oppose the Senate immigration bill. It fails at every policy area. And then later they say any consideration of this Senate bill in its current form is a waste of time. It's dead on arrival in the House. Thank you. I mean, I credit Kristen Welker with giving them that talking point because why just keep saying, oh, your bill was dead on arrival. You have to compromise. You have to compromise. Tell the Senate, tell Lindsey Graham, tell, you know, and I believe, by the way, that Senator uh, Lankford, who's been negotiating this for the Republicans, he meant well. He wanted to get something done, but it's dead on arrival with people who actually care about the border. I'm interested in your thoughts. You can give us a call here at the at the Grace Curley Show, 844-500-4242. Uh, You can also text Curly to 617-213-1066. Let's go to the phones and talk to Nick. Nick, welcome to the Grace Curly Show.
4: Hey, how you doing? Uh, By any chance, did you uh, have a chance to listen to uh, Senator Langford articulate the four or five questions that they would ask people about asylum? I thought this was supposed to be primarily about asylum. Apparently not. One was like, could you have stopped any other place instead of coming here? Um, And then... Those are yes or no answers, right? Okay, so we're going to believe whatever lie they tell. Maybe they're telling the truth. That's it. But the, the big question, according to him, was uh, can you prove that you were being persecuted in your country? Now, how the heck is that person going to answer that even if they were truthful? what Are they Are they going to get details from uh, El Salvador about how they were prosecuted? No, no. What's going to happen is uh, having lied about or not lied about the other questions, yes or no's, right? Whatever magistrate is passing, will rub a stamp. Okay. The other thing is, barely twenty three percent. spent of that one hundred and eighteen billion dollars goes to Ukraine, goes to uh, Gaza Palestinians, goes to Israel, goes to Taiwan, right? Twenty three, barely twenty three percent, twenty nine point uh, nine uh, percent. Uh, excuse me, uh, t- twenty two point nine percent. Excuse me. So it is a farce, and I'm sorry. I read Senator Lankford's background. Well, God bless him, um, because uh, he was in charge of uh, some sort of children's uh, uh, rewardments program or something like that, uh, probably into the church he belongs to. And then his, his graduate degree is actually in the ministry for the Baptist Church. I'm not denigrating that, but I'm just saying well, this is what you're probably going to get out of this guy. I think he's highly unqualified to be in his position. But, oh, by the way, he's not running for senator this year. He's not running for senator next year. He's running for senator in 2028. None of those other senators would have the nerve. At least I'll give him that. He had the courage to throw this nonsense out there. But the ones that are running, and I think there's about 11 or 12 Republicans, and the rest are all Democrats, they're not going to go out and advance that stuff. Schumer will just give the hand. But what I'm saying, it's disgusting. And one final thing. What happened three bills ago about the chip plants they're building here, right?
3: Thanks for the call, Nick. Appreciate it. No, it's interesting. I think that in the bill, there's a lot that goes on there. And I and I haven't had a chance to read the whole thing. They released it on a Sunday, which that should like tell you all you need to know. Like they're releasing the text of what's supposed to be an important bill on a Sunday, expecting something's gonna happen. But the if you read how Chris Murphy, Senator Chris Murphy of Connecticut, who is one of the negotiators in this bill, how he describes it, he talked he again, his job is to sell it to the left, and which is also hard. The left is also mad because they want the border wide. Wide open they want to let everyone in whether they mean us ill or mean us harm they don't care they want to just let everyone in and let them complete their infiltration the invasion that's going on in our country from all of these countries it's not just spanish-speaking nations and I think that was a big piece that I was surprised they highlighted so much in the 60 minutes piece because they used to say oh it's the poverty it's the no it's an invasion from all over the world the the world is on notice that the United States has opened the doors we stand defenseless that we let you in we catch and release all of it what what senator murphy said is the idea for asylum is to make it a non adversarial process meaning for people that have come into the country illegally that that sneak in through the gap in the fence that it's not going to be adversarial. That will that will go ahead and actually just, you know, call it, you know, it's, it's going to be friendly and we're going to ask questions. It also takes a lot of the asylum claims away from courts and gives them to part of the Department of Homeland Security to administer. Does anyone trust that the Mayorkas-led um, Department of Homeland Security is going to administer this fairly, is going to result in people not being granted asylum, not being just given the opportunity to be here. It's all really meant to help the asylum process create legal status for people to remain here permanently. It would grant work status immediately to people to be here, which is going to serve as a major magnet to increase immigration, to increase asylum seeking. And And I'll grant you, like we, in Maine, that's one of the things we've talked about, is we have a lot of asylum seekers here in the system, haven't had their claims adjudicated yet they can't work so they need to be on welfare but they can work within six months and so a lot of them could get up and going but this doesn't do anything to really stop the flood in and i think that there are a lot of people skeptical that when you give discretion and authority to just the executive branch if it's the obama administration if it's the biden administration unless it's the trump administration that executive discretion won't be won't be exercised we'll take more of your calls 844-500-4242 844 500 here on the Grace Curley Show. I'm Aaron Chadburn filling in for Grace.
1: Follow Grace on Twitter at G underscore Curley. This is the Grace Curley
3: Show. We are back on the Grace Curley Show. I'm Erin Chadbourne filling in for Grace. Grace will be back tomorrow. She's traveling. I hear she's listening to the show, so hopefully I do an okay job filling in, but we absolutely need you to be a part of it for that to be a good outcome. You can call. You can text um, the phone number is 844-500-4242. And we'd love to have you weigh in. We've been talking a lot about it. There's a lot else going on. But I think this immigration deal, though, the reason it's come in is because, you know, Congress was so eager to give more money to Ukraine. And finally, it said, look, before we care about Ukraine's border, let's secure our border. And I think that's some of the pushback for this this package is there are a lot of people saying there's a lot in this bill that doesn't do that. Yes, there are some bright spots. There's some reform. And we'll dig into some more of what those are. But I think a lot of people are skeptical what actually secures the border. Um, what say you? Let's go to Ray. Ray, what's your take on this immigration bill? Do you think it's a, it's a good deal for the American people, or are you skeptical about it?
0: I'm skeptical. I, I think that the process has gotten so, so diluted that we tie everything in together to make somebody want to vote for the Ukraine part of it just to get border security or for Israel security or whatever else we want to lump in there. And I think it gets so diluted that we really don't, as an American citizen, feel like we're getting the best bang for our dollar and what's most important for me. I think the border Security is the most important thing. I'm not necessarily sold on all of the other stuff that's in there to try and influence my vote, vote for a bill that really might be counterproductive or not in my best interest. And also, spending an awful lot of money on things that are not relevant to me might not be important, and I just think it really confuses the process a lot.
3: Good points, right? Thanks for the call. I think there too, a lot of the money that's in the bill, not only does it go to Ukraine and Israel and things unrelated to the border, but it ends up, it ends up going to these organizations, these aid organizations, these nonprofits, these NGOs that are expected to work with the government and, and to do work there. And anytime you do that, anytime you build this ecosystem of government, funneling taxpayer dollars to these these nonprofit actors. You end up seeing more of this, right? And and that becomes their livelihood. And then you can never cut the funding to the program because it becomes their livelihood. Then they have lobbyists, then they have this whole basically industrial um complex that that comes up around big immigration, around, you know, helping people at the border. And by the way, great credit to The governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, he's done a great job showing what it means to actually take back and to build the border wall. I thought the the other Republican governors traveling down to the Texas border, standing shoulder to shoulder, Showing that they have the governor's back down in Texas, that they 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 believe in the rights of states to secure their own border, to defend themselves, to build border, to, to put up the fence. The things that the Biden administration is suing Texas to take down the fence, it's reprehensible. So good for those Republican governors for drawing a contrast and showing what it actually means. And that's, I think, the big problem I have with Congress is that Congress, the Republicans in Congress to date have not done a good job Showing that same contrast with Joe Biden. They haven't done a good job saying this is what good would look like. This is why you need to elect Republicans. Republicans have, in my opinion, spent too much time fighting with each other. This this fight over Kevin McCarthy and who gets to be speaker and all of that. The the inability to get anything passed or through. Right, They've showed that they can't really. So why are you going to hand them the keys? What Greg Abbott is showing in Texas is is what Republican leadership could look like. What if we had a president that would actually defend the border? What if we had policies like we did during the Trump administration that actually stemmed the flow of unchecked illegal immigration? Right. What what if we actually had that? That's what I think we're now seeing being demonstrated by the by the Republican governors. And that's what we need to see more of from our representatives in Congress. And I'm hopeful. I think that by by Mike Johnson and Steve Scalise and Elise Stefanik and Tom Emmer, these representatives, these Republicans in Congress who are saying the Senate bill is dead on arrival because it compromises on things that we can't compromise on. Maybe they get a better deal, and the only way to get a deal is if you do the right thing. I also hate this idea that, you know, the the question was asked of, of Speaker Johnson yesterday when he was on Meet the Press. They said, oh, is this really just Trump calling the shots, Trump telling you what you can and can't do? And I don't believe that for a second. I don't believe that anyone in Congress calls Trump before they take a vote, but they do say, what do the constituents want? They want meaningful border security. They want you to secure the border. So they're not going to do something just because they think it helps Trump get elected. But why are you gonna compromise? Right now, this is a winning issue for Republicans. It's a winning issue because the Republican position is the mainstream American position. It's what individual Americans want to see happen. So why cave when you're when you're on the right side of the issue? Why compromise? Why have to accept defeat? Why have to, to water it down? Love to hear from you. Numbers eight four four five hundred forty two forty two. Let's go next to Michael. Go ahead, Michael.
0: Yes, totally agree with you. Do not compromise. So I stand with uh, Mike Johnson on this, and uh, Matt Gates and Byron Donalds, and all these great, you know, Andy Biggs, uh, because it violates the law. It's called the Budget Control Act of nineteen seventy four. It's a federal law that says that you are required to have a uh, balanced budget. And within that, nestled in to that budget, uh, voting on single-subject bills and making these congressmen accountable for their votes. The the way they've been operating, these everybody unaccountable, okay? And the last time we had a balanced budget enacted all of our appropriation bills separately and on time was 1977, and this whole bundling of bills, started in 1996 under this dirty shill of the, uh, the Bushes, uh, New Gingrich. So uh, this is got to stop.
3: It- I couldn't agree more. I think you know what we have happening is that every time that we think we're going to negotiate, rather than Republicans saying, here's where we draw the line and what we have to get, they look for a deal. They try to compromise. They try to, to make it happen. Uh, so that's what we see every time. When we come back, Bruce Poliquin, former congressman, will join us. We'll talk more about Congress, more about the deal. Stay here on The Grace Curley Show.